Morning, Om. Lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Like Steve said, my name's Amelia. I am a director and a psychologist. Um, we've heard a bit about the psychologist this morning from Zoe. You'll notice I'm not middle-aged and I'm not a man, so we've come a long way. Um, I have a very short attention span. I get bored very easily, so I'm going to give you the ending up front. If you're going to write anything down today, these two things. If it's not working, fix it and tell the story. So part of what we do and what I really enjoy about my job and my work, and I hope you guys are all the same, is that we see things that are wrong and we say, we can make this better. We can make this more efficient. We can improve this. How can we do it? And the second is to tell the story. We are storytellers. We collect research from people and we're able to explain this research to other people and say, look what we found out. Write those two things down. That's what you're going to take away from today. Uh, you'll notice about me, I get bored easily and I'm basically a child trading in an adult's body. So we will start at the very beginning, as Maria tells us. You'll see a couple of these throughout the slides. Where do we begin? So when we're talking about note-taking, um, the systems that I've seen can be very slow and awkward and cumbersome. And I don't know how each of you note-take at the moment, whether you use a Word document, whether you, you might use an Excel document like this. Um, what can happen though is they're very clumsy and awkward. For example, here, this is a project we worked on about a year and a half ago. <coughs> Excuse me. We've got the participants down the bottom. You can see participant one all the way through to participant 15. So we have notes for each participant on a different tab. We also have each of the pages that we're interested in looking at. So this is for usability testing. Each of the pages that we're interested in looking at, we've got up the top, and then our questions in bold underneath them. And then below those, you'll see the notes that the team took throughout our usability testing. My issue with this is you can't compare across participants. You can't easily look at the data and say this note relates specifically to this element in the page. And it's awkward and clumsy and I don't like it. So what we did, uh, what we were looking at is thinking with the end in mind. Quite often what we see is when we deliver back to our clients, they've asked us a question and they want to know of this slide, of this page in my website, what's working and what's not working. And we will give them a key code and we'll say, this element is green, it's working. This element is red, it's not working. We are so far from that here, right? Like we're starting so far in a position where we then have to transfer this into a mirror board and we have to synthet and analyze it. And then we have to make so many steps to get to that end point. It wasn't working for me. It didn't quite click. I hope you've all seen this slide. This is one of my favorites. Um, tell me why. Why do we note take? We have a client who's asked us a question, particularly for usability testing. We have a client who's asked us a question. They want to know something. They want an answer. Do we have to make changes? Do we have to improve things? Is it really great and we can just keep it as it is? We need to ask ourselves this. Why do we use the templates that we have? Is it because that's just what's always existed? We know that there's huge danger in that. We can't use what's always existed. We need to question ourselves and ask why we use the things that we do. Ooh. 
All right, let's go here. So what I was thinking with the team, what was working and what was not working, let's start at the end. So ultimately, we are going to do some usability testing. We are going to get our client the results. Why don't we start here? So instead of working in an Excel document, instead of working in a Word document, we're going to start in Miro. We're going to put our pages that we're interested in, chuck them straight into Miro, and we're going to note take directly into Miro. And that's going to work and it's going to be great. It did not work and it was not great. <laughs> um, so this was about a year and a half ago and a couple of the team who were on this project, um, we had a big debrief after this first session. I said, it'll be great, it'll be fine. It was super confusing. The team had to <clears throat> note take live during the usability testing session. Comments were everywhere. Um, it was all sorts of not working. What do we do? We're HCD practitioners. We iterate, right? Everything gets a box. <laughs> Put everything in a box. This is what the client's interested in. Tell them the answer straight up, up front. Client wants to know what people's comments are relating to that specific element. We're going to tell you. We're going to tag these comments also. So we're going to tag them by participant. So you've got participant one, participant two, participant three in your different tagging sessions. So by the end of three participants, we can see where things are starting to cluster. We can see, I was about to swear then and I won't, we can see where these clusters are and we can see what's actually happening in these groups. This doesn't tell us what's good and what's bad and where our opportunities are. I'm a very simple person. My good and bad and opportunities are always red, green and blue. I don't veer too much from that. We can now colour code these. We can do it live or we can do it straight after the usability testing session. There's always a question that we need to answer. Pop the question in the box as well. So you've done three usability testing sessions this morning. They've taken three hours, so maybe that's the morning's work. A client comes in or a stakeholder comes in and they go, how's the morning gone? And you've gone, great. We're seeing a couple of you know, little you know, issues coming up here and opportunities coming up here. We've built the picture already. We don't have to spend huge amounts of time simping. I'm not saying that this is where you stop because it's not. This is not storytelling. This is findings. These are raw findings. But we can see straight away. To build on this, so at the moment you've got individual cards that are raw notes from your usability testing. These are findings cards. I found that each time that we were doing usability testing, we would end up thinking about and talking about our findings in this same way. And so what I did was I popped it in a findings card. What's the finding? Users understood that download meant they could download and save, print or share the form. Thank you very much. What's the observation? So this is our evidence. How do we know this to be true? So in this case, we've used direct quotes from the usability testing. We've got a couple of different options here. So I've got three, four different participants here. So we can see a variety. Was it just one participant who really hated that? Or are we seeing a pattern starting to emerge here? Sometimes that evidence might also be our heuristic reviews, our heuristic evaluations. We might also draw evidence from other sources to verify our finding. And what's our design recommendation? What's the action that you need to take as a result of this? I've told you what the issue or the opportunity is. You can see it's green, so this is something that's working well. I've told you why and what evidence supporting that is, and this is what you can do moving forward. 
So all of a sudden, by the end of the day, you now have all of your raw notes and your finance card in this format, ready to show the client or your stakeholders. Oh, I can see the phone's out, we like this slide. <laughs> Gets better. We can color code our findings cards. Again, keep your raw notes by all means, okay? This is data integrity, keep your raw notes. I always do this in Miro, duplicate your board, keep your raw notes, and then have these as your findings cards. But remember, your findings cards has your quotes and your evidence, so this is really good. You can scale it as well. So we've had pages and pages of these. It's a really easy, scalable system that actually works really, really nicely. Second point, it's not just about the findings. Our responsibility is to take these findings, what we hear directly from our participants, and form them into a narrative that makes sense. You have these opportunities and these things that aren't working, but what's the story here? How do you piece that together? Take your findings cards and start playing around with them. This is where you can get your red string out and start connecting the dots. Maybe there's something going on here. Maybe there's a play in here using your findings cards. And then this is your narrative. Where you started is gonna be completely different to where you ended. What the client asked you and what the problem is are probably gonna be two very different things. This is why we get paid the big bucks. Um, this is what our responsibility is. And we've been talking a lot about ethics this morning. We have a responsibility to the participants who we've invited in to be part of our research that we tell the story. What they tell us and what the bigger story is, is can sometimes be very different. We've asked them very specific questions. They're responding to our questions. We need to be the ones to piece together the pieces of information and present the story, the narrative, back to the client. Show me it in practice, Amelia. I hear you asking. Okay, I will. So <laughs> this is the team, uh, a beautiful team up in Brisbane. They did this project a little while ago. I won't go into too much detail about it because client confidentiality, but we've been approved to share a couple of key pieces of this project with you all today. They are very clever and they used a um, ratings code that was much more um, sophisticated than my good, bad and opportunity. So you'll notice that their findings cards are color coded by these. I'll leave that up there for you to take photos. It's a good one. So this is their page, right? Everything gets a box. These are the questions, this is the areas that the client's interested in. We can note take directly in. We can see the tags for each of our participants. They're coded in. Then, ta-da. Right? Raw, client presentation. Raw, client presentation. <laughs> really nice streamlined approach here. Can we see the symmetries of visually? We haven't had to make so many leaps from where we started with a Word doc or an Excel doc and then we synth it and then we go round and round and round and round. We can see this coming up really clearly. And again, these are the key things that we're interested in. This is what the clients asked for, what's working, what's not working, who said what in terms of the participants that we're hearing, client presentation. Um, favorite quote from uh, the blind side, you're welcome. Uh, this framework that we're talking about 
If you'd like to take it into your organisation and use it, please do so. Um, you can call it Synthet directly or SID, um, as was cleverly come up with by a friend of mine. Um, what I would in, uh, even more enjoy for you to do is, if this is a framework that works for you, might work for you or might not work for you, take it into your organisation and play with it. It's an invitation to break it apart, to see whether it works or whether it doesn't work, to grow and evolve it. I am giving you, uh, offering a, an option that you can take as opposed to maybe a Word doc or an Excel doc. Try this. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Let me know and we can grow and learn together. That's it. I said I was going to keep it short and shiny. That's what I wanted to share with you today. Um, please ask away any questions, otherwise it'll make sense and I'll leave you to it. Questions for Amelia? Kit. And then you. Kit first. Thanks. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Um, I'm really interested in the part where you were talking a little bit about the client presentation story. So, um, how much do you show in place? in a Miro document or something else in a client context, and how much do you deliver as, a, as an asset that a client can hold on to? So what do we deliver uh, in the presentation versus what we deliver to them as an asset? This, for this project in particular, this is what was delivered, because this is clean. So we've also got to be careful of, depending on what you've agreed on with your participants, what, they, what you can and can't share. So do you need to anonymise data? You need to be really careful around um, what your consent form is when you've actually interviewed them. I, in, a, in terms of what we're finally handing over to clients, if they've got this, they don't need the raw data, in my opinion. I've never handed over raw data data like that in these projects that I've been running with it. I've never given them the raw. They've been very happy with this. This gives them the story that they need whilst keeping that client confident, the participant confidentiality. Did that answer your question? Yeah, I think it did. So be you deliver this in mirror or you deliver this no, oh, no. So, as, so we'll export this slide. So the girls, what they did is they exported that. This I've cropped from their like PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, obviously with the legibility, you're going to ask me about that. Um, so these cards then, in terms of keeping confidentiality for our client, I've grabbed these slides. The cards then are bigger and legible for the clients to engage with. Yep. Uh, just here. Thank you. Uh, I have a question about uh, when you do a usability testing and the number of participants is not like very high, like around, let's say six, and you have like six design alternative that you're testing, and none of the participants agree on one direction, then how do you synthesize that? Like, how do you go about it? So you've got six participants, and you've got six different options that they're testing, and they don't, the participants don't agree on any? Like, they have different preferences of what works and what doesn't work? So they have different preferences on what works and what doesn't work. Is this objective or subjective? Are we looking at the action that they're completing, or are we looking at what they're saying? Both. So the question is, what do you do when your participants, when your data from the participants doesn't give you a story? So yeah. I follow the same style of tagging and then mm. uh, 
collecting like relevant uh, feedback on specific design element and then sometimes it's hard to come up with a story because like you can't connect the dots. Does it make sense? That's the exciting place. Mm. Yeah. So I would be looking at both your objective data in terms of what did we actually see from participants because what they tell us and what they do are co two completely different things, right? Like we know, did you eat all your fruit and veggies today? Yeah, of course I did. Diary study? No, they didn't. So our objective data really tells us what we need to know. The subjective data is, response to what we, in, is in response to what we've asked them, which can be very anchored and biased. So we need to be really careful around that. Also, we have those beautiful heuristics. So we know a lot about human behavior already that we can take from these heuristics that we have. So if you were testing across six and putting forward a story to the client, I would be relying on the objective data. I would be relying on other evidence that you can find around human behavior. And I would be supplementing it with the um, subjective evidence from the testing. Yeah, it's a, it's a juicy one though. That's fun. That's a really interesting one. Question here. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask, how do you combine this uh, method of note-taking and uh, synthesizing findings with other type of information that can come from a usability testing? For example, if you run it on, on MACE and you get graphs or other if heat maps or whatever other information you can get, how do, does that complement this? Beautiful question. So the other data that you're collecting, how does it complement this, this approach? I, in what I've done, this has formed part of that picture. Again, it's how you're going to build your narrative. What story are you telling and what data do you have that supports that narrative? This will give you a very um, yes, no response. Did this work or did it not work? Yes, no. That might supplement it. So you might have this page and then you might have the heat map to further support your evidence. Your finding might be, People did, click, people did click on this button. And then this would be a green finding card to be like, people did click on the button. And then you have the heat map to show people did click on whatever, or they focused on specific areas. So it depends what your story is and how that's going to build and grow through that presentation and who your client is as well. Different clients will engage with different things. So you need to know um, what are going to be those triggers or those, not triggers, what are going to be those um, key things that your client really want to see? Are they really um, uh, quantitative focus? Are they qualitative focus? Are they really visual? Uh, I would tailor it to them. Did that answer your question? Other questions from the audience? While you're considering that, I have, I'll, down here. Um, while we bring the microphone up, I'll ask a question, which is, um, are there um, scale considerations? Like, does this work well for 10 or 20 participants, but at 50 or 100, it starts to become unwieldy? Like, are there... I would be asking why, you are, why you're speaking with 50 or 100 people for a usability test. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, this... It, um, it's the scalability scales in terms of this approach and the scalability in terms of participants. I would run this probably up to 20 people 
over that, I would be really asking why. why? Yeah. Why, we, why do we need to speak with that many people? Because all you're going to have is the boxes are just going to keep on growing and you're going to hit saturation point. Fair enough. Down at the front. Just a quick one. So do you use a combination of tools? Like I see this cheat sheet is based on Miro and I have a habit using Dovatel. I put the transcripts in and they give the um, categorize and then color coding, very convenient. So I put my insights on Miraboard. And then as well, Notion is very useful. So what do you think about having a combination of tools to summarizing your data and finding insights? I would sum if the question is, would you use different tools? I would like to hear. Or you want to use the okay. same tools? You want to use Dovetail and Notion and Miro to synthesize? A combination of tools to work smartly. For the one project, for the one question? For one project. I, that's my habit. I use Alice too. My question would be why? Why, if, I, if you've got one piece of data and the data is the findings from your usability test, if you're spreading that out over different tools, what is the tool not giving you? Because for me, I need to be able to see the, the data in one place and then I can mix it up and play with it and mash it up. This for me, Miro is really flexible for me in that sense. I would be thinking, are you spreading yourself too um, broad and, and again, starting at the end, how are you going to find the insights and the narratives? I realize it's become personal habits, like related. So I put the rough stuff in Dovertel and highlights the important stuff and mm. color code them, mm -hmm. categorize them mm -hmm. put in cards. And then I put the very important insight, like a ch still chunk of sentences put in the mirror board, sticker notes, group them, box them, label them. So that's my way of doing it. I don't know how do you think about it, but it does come back to me. It can be, I can complicate the process mm. if I don't use it wisely. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. And you've got to do what works for you. I think this is an invitation to try something that works for me. Like I said, I have a very short attention span. I like things to be very visual, very quick, very easy. I want to get to the end. Um, as quickly, not as quickly, I want to get the, to the end as efficiently as possible. Um, so this works for me, but by all means, if, if you can integrate it into your process or if you have a better process, do what works for you. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, question at the back of the room. We have the second Hey, one. Amelia. Um, have you tried Miro's um, new sort of AI tool to see how they, those insights can be grouped? I haven't yet, but I'm excited to. Yeah, good call out. Mm. Um, can you tell us more about that feature? What is that tool? The AI? Yeah. I can't because I haven't used it. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Um, any other questions? One over here. Hiya. Um, I can see how this would work, particularly well for usability testing, because you've got the screens there already and you can kind of know what people are going to provide feedback on but have you been able to do it for discovery research when perhaps you don't really know the groupings initially yeah i thought of the same of the same thing actually we're doing discovery research at the moment and i wondered whether the findings card whether this is going to be particularly helpful for the discovery research short answer is it's not particularly um just because 
like you said, with the usability testing, you have those really clear questions, right? Do they click here? Do they notice this? Can they find that? Whatever it is. With discovery, it's so much messier. Um, I do always do the grouping at the end. So this sort of thing, my discovery boards always look like this. There are bits and pieces everywhere and that's where you get that really gritty, all right, what's our insight and then what's our narrative. Um, and the difference between a finding and an insight is a whole other presentation. But um, I know that for me, this doesn't work particularly well with discovery. Yeah. We had a question via Zoom asking at what point does a data point become a pattern? Like how many, how many times does it have to repeat before you start to consider it a pattern? Oh, this is getting, um, there's different responses to this question. There's a statistical mathematical response to this question. Um, and then there's a what happens for me in practice question. So how much do you have to hear before, how much does it a data point have to repeat before you get a pattern? Yeah. That's the question. Before you start considering it a pattern, I think was the question that was asked. For me personally, I'm going to ignore the statistics question because I was never good at maths. Um, for me personally, I use a saturation kind of calculator mm -hmm. of are we getting to the point that we are just, and again, back to the numbers of how many participants are you speaking to, if we're just getting the same, and specifically for usability testing here, if we're just getting the same responses over and over and over again, we've hit saturation, that's it. We don't need to keep on going. We know that data point's pretty good. Um, we do need to pay attention to those outliers because sometimes we get those really juicy bits of information from those edges of the bell curve outliers. Um, they can, can be really valuable. But for me, once we've got saturation, I'm pretty happy. Excellent. All right, please join me in thanking Amelia. Thank you.